It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It is our last episode before spring training. We are recording this live on Groundhog Day, and with us right now, you're not going to believe it, we have, I mean, the seer of seers, the sage of sages, the prognosticator of prognosticators, MLB.com's Brian Hoke. How you doing, Brian? Phil? Phil, I thought that was you. Phil Connors? <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, man. Uh, Groundhog Day is one of my absolute favorite movies. As a matter of fact, I got to watch that a little later today. I, I could probably quote that one start to finish for you if, if you wanted to, if you got about two hours. There's not much going on in sports right now. Let's be honest. Let's just go. All right. Uh, but, but Brian, th- thanks for joining us. Uh, we, we got we got plenty of stuff to talk about. We got to talk about the BBWAA awards dinner from this past Saturday night, which you emceed. You left your blood, sweat, and tears, literally a little bit of blood up there on the dais. We have, Boy. obviously, w- spring training is upon us at this point, I think it's fair to say. And, of course... We need to talk a little bit about the Bruce Springsteen concert you went to last night with half of the uh, Baseball Writers Union for, from the AL East. But uh, l- let's start, though. Seriously, that dinner, I-, I know that I know how much work that must be. I know what must go into it. What's it like when you finally uh, reach that night? And, 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 and how do you get to that point? I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a uh, black tie affair. It's kind of like the baseball Oscars or the baseball Emmys, all, all the major award winners are there to pick up their uh their their hardware so you got the mvps you got the cy young awards you got the rookie of the year winners you got the managers of the year plus then you've got the local chapter award winners that we voted on in new york and so uh yeah the process starts all the way back in i guess september uh we did our vote in november and then there's a lot of coordinating trying to figure out people's schedules everybody needs airfare everybody needs hotels they're trying to get all of those people in the same ballroom is uh, no small undertaking. And I, I, I'm not going to even pretend that I did it all by myself. I, we had a great team, uh, a lot of former chairmen um, helping out with that where they could. Uh, Ken Swarthow, our dinner director, did a great job uh, kind of just making sure all the trains ran on time. And so, no, I mean, to have a black tie gala event in a New York City ballroom um, I I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to host something like that again. Uh, There was a time period where it looked like I was not going to get one. Um, We, you know, we had the pandemic. We went through COVID. We did that. uh, We had the lockout that kind of stalled last year's uh, planning. So it's been three years in the making. I'm glad it finally happened. And um, when I got up there at that podium and I I look over to my left and Aaron Judge is sitting there and I look over to my right and it's Justin Verlander and Albert Pujols and you just go down the uh, the dais and it's really a who's who of baseball and it was cool um i i really i i i'm not gonna say i wasn't nervous in the beginning but then it kind of just melted away and it was kind of like this is cool and i'm gonna enjoy it and it was a lot of fun so obviously look it, it is 
in a sense, you know, like you mentioned, the local New York Writers Dinner, but it's so much more than that. It is where the MVP award is handed out. It is where the Cy Young Awards are handed out, everything like that. Obviously, a guy like Aaron Judge, a guy like, you know, Justin Verlander, just to name the two guys you mentioned, you know, first off, they won the awards in November. They knew they won the awards. It's it's not, you know, it's not a surprise when they get up there and hear their names called. But what do you see from guys like that, even, who are so used to so much adulation, so much success, when, when they're handed just that plaque, kind of, and, and it becomes a tangible thing all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a career highlight for them. And uh, in Judge's case, that's why. His wife, Samantha, was there and his parents, Patty and Wayne, were there and he had all his rep- representation there with him. Um, you know, it's a big deal. And you don't nobody's guaranteed that they're going to get another one of those. So I think that you really have to enjoy that moment and take it in. And you get to dress up in your fancy tuxedo and go up there and make a speech to thank everybody who has helped you along the way. And I, I think those are those are important moments for for any player or any person. And uh, yeah, you're right that. It was not a surprise that Judge was going to receive his MVP award. We knew that. That was voted on. That's why we tried to kind of throw a few curveballs in there to keep things fresh during it. Uh, We invited some celebrities. Uh, Judge was presented by Spike Lee, which uh, I I think everybody got a kick out of. That was cool. Uh, You know, I had some others on the dais. Uh, Hank Azaria was there from The Simpsons, and I I love The Simpsons growing up. And Obviously, if you remember, he played Jim Brockmeyer in the TV series. So that was the connection there, uh, along the fact that uh, Hank Azaria is a huge Mets fan. And so he was presenting that to Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez. They won their Willie Mickey and the Duke Award. So just to kind of meet Chief Wiggum or Mo the bartender was was really cool uh, for me personally. And then I, I tell you what, we, we had a curveball in there, too, with Terry Francona winning the uh, Manager of the Year. And... Um, our initial plan fell through. So we were kind of pivoting on, uh, on the fly there. And someone in our group came up with Rico Bronia and Rico Bronia, who uh, was a very popular first baseman with the Mets and Phillies played for Terry Francona in Philadelphia. And I think that I know that Rico was honored, but when I mentioned his name, there was an audible gasp from the crowd. And, and there were people, uh, Mets fans uh, from a certain era who were like, Whoa, I can't believe Rico Bronia is here. So that was, that's cool to kind of throw a, throw a few of those in there too and, and kind of spice things up where we can. That's funny. I hadn't realized that Hank Azaria was there. I think next time, maybe if every single baseball writer would get a selfie with him, that might help spread the word. Uh, maybe a bunch of them can um, you know, get rec- videos of them uh, doing their impression. That would really help everyone know that Hank Azaria was there. Uh, but I, I guess his publicist just couldn't get the word out. Very funny. Um, yeah, no, I, it was hard to turn down an opportunity to – talk to Hank Azaria and you know look I, I talk to baseball players for a living but I don't get to talk to uh, characters from the Simpsons every day so that was pretty cool and I, I wish I could steal this story for for my own but it's not Tyler Kepner of the New York Times went up to him and said hey it's great to meet you uh, you know it, you know I, I'm not going to bother you for an impression from the Simpsons and then uh, Hank looked at him as Mo the Barter and said well then you ain't gonna get one and my, my impression stinks <laughs> but that was uh that, that was a cool story, and I, I wish I could steal that one for myself. It is always funny, because you're right, you did mention something. We we have the luxury, and obviously, you know, we, we work hard, it's work, whatever. We, we do have a luxury of our job is to talk to a lot of people who are very interesting, very famous, whatever. And there still are those moments, I know for me, when it's just like, sometimes it's musicians, sometimes it's other things, where it's just like, you know, I, I can fanboy out a little bit here. I'm allowed to. I put I put in my time with a straight face, acting like I'm not too impressed. Like there are times that I'm allowed to rec- admit, if you will, that I'm pretty impressed. You get to meet some cool people being around the ballpark, and that's one thing, especially about being in New York City with the Yankees, is that 
the stars show up. I mean, look, Jimmy Fallon and Lauren Michaels are behind home plate almost every day. And so, uh, yeah, it's a who's who. And I, I definitely have a picture of me at the old stadium kind of fanboying out on the field. Bon Jovi came out there to watch batting practice one day. And uh, there's a picture of me just kind of like looking at him starstruck. And um, I still have that one. It's probably from 2008, I think, the last year of the old stadium. But that was cool. To uh, it, It's always cool because you, you show up for work and you never know who's going to be there on any given day. And that's uh, that's exciting when when the stars show up. Obviously, from everything I heard from everyone who was there, I wasn't able to make it. But from everything I heard, it was a wonderful, wonderful night. You have a lot to be proud it's, of. It's a really cool event. And uh, the 98th annual one, if not for COVID, we would have hit 100 already. But, uh, I mean, look, Babe Ruth went to this event. Mickey Mantle did. Joe DiMaggio. Uh, they, these guys were all honored there. It goes back to the 1930s. And so to, just to kind of carry on a little bit of that tradition, I think, is it's a, it's a feather in our cap. Because I think that given the way – the last three years when it would have been easy to throw our hands up and say, well, you know, they, look, it just wasn't in the cards. Um, and, you know, it was a good run, but we're done now. And to bring it back in New York City had a packed ballroom, almost 800 people there, I believe. Uh, my joke, my joke up there. And I had a little mini monologue in the opening and I said, wow, it is great to see this crowd here. We must have 800 people here. It's kind of like covering a day game in Oakland. That got Ooh. a good laugh. Uh, so ouch, I was happy ouch, about that ouch, one. Ouch, I was ouch, happy ouch. about that. Obviously, look, uh, you know, a lot, like you mentioned, a lot of jokes, a lot of fun was had. I, I Everyone saw on Instagram, on Twitter, everything. Uh, Buck Showalter also gave it right back to you. Uh, pr- uh, pretty, pretty, pretty nice fashion there. I got to wonder, though, like you knew this dinner was coming up. You knew it was going to be a huge event on the baseball calendar. I'm not saying you root for any particular stories or anything like that as you're covering baseball, but I imagine you had to feel a little relieved when Aaron Judge resigns with the Yankees because that might have been a pretty oh, awkward boy. night. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> I mean, for about a hundred reasons, but yeah, um, I think that if Aaron Judge was up there getting his AL MVP as a member of the San Francisco Giants or the San Diego Padres, it would have been a much different night. So I think that uh, the fact that Judge was back, he's the 16th captain of the New York Yankees, and I could introduce him as such and not say, and now please welcome the new starting right fielder for the San Francisco Giants. And you'll see him on opening day at Yankee Stadium. Ugh. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> wanted I don't think anybody wanted any part of that. And so um, it was able to be a much more celebratory night than it would have been if things had turned out a lot differently. Well, like I said, I, I heard only amazing things about it. But that is actually a good place to turn the page, if you will, because we are coming up on the end of the baseball offseason. Now, I think it's obviously worth pointing out that a lot of some of the more interesting, if you will, Yankees moves of the 2021-22 offseason actually came beyond this point with the uh, Gary Sanchez trade and then certainly uh, Jose Trevino coming to, to town, which was which was very impactful. So by no means is Yankees business done yet. But before we get to some of the open questions made about this team, you know, you mentioned you're introducing Aaron Judge from that day as you're introducing the New York Yankees captain and things like that. We all saw last week in the lead up to that, you know, Judge around town, Judge, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. putting in some time at at Madison Square Garden for a Rangers game, putting in some time for a Knicks game, things like that. Mm You certainly spent a lot of time watching Derek Jeter as Yankees captain, and now you've spent a lot of time writing about Aaron Judge. I'm wondering, do you feel like, is there, 
I don't want to say a weight that he's carrying because if there's one thing you know about Judge, it's that he's pretty cool and everything like that. But does it feel different a little bit? Like when, okay, now all those question marks from the past couple of years of what's going to happen, they're gone. He's the captain. That question's done. It's just like, man, you know, it's the new Aaron Judge. It's kind of, or, or maybe it's just that it's the old Aaron Judge. I don't know. But do you sense anything like changed? Well, I feel like he's the same person and he's always going to be the same person that he was last season. And I thought he handled last year great. That's part of the reason why he gets to be Yankees captain and why Hal Steinbrenner made that call from Italy and said, hey, you know, Thurman Munson was my favorite player growing up and now I want to make you a captain the way he was. And uh, so I think that we're at the beginning of a new chapter of Aaron Judge. Let me put it that way. I think that well put. he has a, he's going into that captaincy role. He hasn't played a single game as the Yankees captain yet. So even when I was there uh, sitting next to him, that night and people are coming up and saying, Hey, captain, what's up, captain? How are you captain? Um, it kind of, to me, I think captain, and I still think Jeter. So I think that's going to take some time to, to kind of set in. And I, I, I think certainly him going through a spring training and, and becoming and filling that role, even though I, I felt, and John, you probably agree with me on this. He was already the Yankee captain. He was the de facto Yankee captain without name, without title. Uh, he didn't need the, uh, figurative C on his chest to be a leader in that clubhouse. I think we've been seeing that for years now. I think now that it's just, it's an official title. It's very cool. Uh, you look at the names of guys who have played as Yankee captains. He certainly belongs in that mix to me, but I don't think it's going to change how he goes about his day to day. I don't think, for example, I don't think he's going to a Rangers game or a Knicks game or going to a Drake concert because he's the Yankees captain. I just think that's who Aaron judge is. He's, uh, I'm going to argue he's the king of New York right now. And so he can go wherever he wants to. Um, but I think when pitchers and catchers report down here, when uh, when the guys are on the field, that's when the business really starts. Uh, I think there's about two weeks left before pitching and catchers. So time to get going. And then, uh, and then I think you see Judge lock in and have that kind of laser focus. And that's what made him great. That's what has gotten him to this point. And so I don't think he's going to change that. Hal Steinbrenner named him captain, but he didn't make him captain. Aaron Judge made himself captain over the last few years, and I think that this is just an embodiment of he, – he's been the embodiment of that role for for a long time already, as, like you said, we've both seen. You know, he can only play one position at a time on the field, though, so, you know, this is a fun time to look at what's around him. I think that everyone looks at the Yankees pitching rotation right now and certainly – you know, the Frankie Montas injury, you know, and how long he's out for, we'll see. That's not what you want to hear. But otherwise, you know, they needed a great starting pitcher and they got one. I think that it's one of those weird off seasons. And I'm not saying this like to give anyone to go after anyone or give anyone a pass because it's a 99 win team. And most of that 99 win team is back and and everyone's a year older, but in some cases, that's good. Some guys are a year better. So, so it's just been one. It's been a weird off season for me following because there was kind of one thing that I think you know a lot of us wanted to see really attacked this off season. But again, you know there are options there. There are options. I'm wondering what you're hearing, what you're seeing. Certainly, you've been to the facility more than I have lately in terms of watching guys get ready, watching guys like DJ LeMahieu looking healthy. And I'm just you know what are you seeing? What are you hearing at this point? Well, that's a big part of it because DJ not having him really uh, the entire second half of last year, um, he was he was having a, a really solid year, a solid DJ LeMahieu type year. And then 
this foot injury cropped up and really became a problem right around that Boston series. And uh, he was not the same guy. And like, and I gotta, go I'm going to interrupt you there for one second. Uh-huh. And, and that's also one of the things. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting in here. This is not my job to, or I guess it is my job, but this is not my point right now to carry water for DJ LeMahieu. But it's one of those uh-huh. things where if his season cuts off there, if he says I'm injured and I'm done, his season looks uh-huh. a whole lot different than a guy who's trying to power through all year like he was and trying to make sure that hole's not in there. And that's always one of those things that like, you know, you get almost a little bit more benefit of the doubt sometimes for your numbers if you put a firm line at it when the injury hits and say, okay, I can't go out anymore. You know, I'll see you in 2023. And that's certainly not what happened there. And that does, I think, change the narrative that people had of what happened with LeMahieu last year when the reality, like you said, is, you know, it's pretty easy to see a before and after in that situation. I didn't mean to cut you off, though. Go on. No, absolutely. And I I think that DJ's not that kind of guy who's just going to shut it down and say, well, that's it. I can't play it. 60% 60% and or 70% or whatever, whatever number you want to put there, DJ's not that guy. And so he really tried to grind through it. He, he tried like heck to get back. I mean, I watched him taking batting practice before uh, the American League Championship Series and going out there and telling them, I'm good, I'm good. And the Yankees had to look him in the eye and say, you're not, you can't do it, you can't do it. And uh, so I think that was tough for DJ, the fact that he's moving around well, he's running, he's hitting, he's throwing. He's doing all the things a baseball player needs to do on February 2. Uh, that's awesome for the Yankees. And so I think that creates now question about the infield. So if DJ is going to be your starting second baseman, where does Glaber Torres fit into that mix? Is he a trade piece here? What's going to go on at shortstop? You got Isaiah Kainer-Falefa back on a $6 million contract, but you got the kids, Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza. They're going to come into camp and have a legitimate chance to uh, take some some at-bats away. I, I think in Peraza's case, he's got a legit shot to win that job outright and be the opening day shortstop. And so can Josh Donaldson come back and have a healthier year than he did last year? I, I think he's another guy that if you go back in time and look around May, he, he went on the COVID IL briefly and also wound up getting a cortisone shot at that time. And nobody really talked about that uh, after because there was so much other noise going on with, with Donaldson after that point, but he had said there right in the middle of May that there was an injury that happened late in spring training and he was playing through it and he was getting treatment for it. That kind of pops up in the back of my mind now and saying, I don't think we ever saw what Donaldson was supposed to be. I think he was compromised throughout the year. And look, injuries are part of the game, but um, there's a reason that Aaron Boone said this offseason is going to be very important for Donaldson because he'll have Obviously, time to rest, time to train, time to figure out whatever was going on there uh, with the shoulder thing. And so uh, that could be big, too, if you get come back and get – I'm not saying he's going to be Toronto Blue Jays MVP, Josh Donaldson, but he certain, it certainly could be better than what we saw in the postseason where he was striking out a bunch. And if you get Minnesota Twins-era Josh Donaldson at age 37, uh, you can work with that. And so I, I think that uh, really the overview, the 10,000 – foot view of the Yankees right now I think look at how good they were in the first half before the injuries hit is there any way they can replicate that can they get back to to that level and put it over a 162 and if they can you're looking at not only a division crown but you're looking at a potential World Series contender and that's what the Yankees are are doing there and look 99 wins is nothing to sniff at but their first half was historically good and so I think that's the glass half full view is that uh they were so good before the injuries hit now they need to stretch it over a 162 and the other the other part of that I would say is even though they didn't have the uh the offseason that uh well I 
I hesitate to say that because consider the alternative. Consider the alternative if you didn't bring back Aaron Judge, if you didn't bring 100%. back Anthony Rizzo. Um, I, I know that everybody gets excited about the shiny new toys and they want to see the new faces there. But what if you didn't bring back Judge and Rizzo? And what if you didn't bring in Rodon? Um, so Rodon is, is a fun part and Tommy Canely having him back too. But uh, the big part of the Yankee offseason was, God, they got to bring back Aaron Judge. And if you don't, I don't even know what the plan B would have been. So the good news is they did and we don't have to find out. And that's, and that's the other thing I, I would say here. Uh, judge the offseason when it's over. Uh, no, no pun intended. You know, it, it's not over yet. And, and there, there's room to maneuver on the margins and there's work that can be done still. But I think there's every reason at this point to see what this roster can do in spring training. See, see who wants to fight for the role. Like the, the, the things that the Yankees need right now, I'm of the opinion, maybe I'm wrong, I'm of the opinion, can be obtained in late March or frankly, even in early April if you need to. You know, I, I just don't think that there's any reason to to make proclamations about this offseason now, because I will quibble with one thing you said, Brian, and that is I don't think the Yankees are a potential World Series contender. I think the Yankees are a World Series contender. That doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series. doesn't mean they're going to be in the World Series. But I think what you do is get yourself into World Series contention. And I think right now you look at this roster, like you said, just crippled in the second half last year, like so many teams are, but whatever, where there was a clear difference between first half and second half. I think this team is a World Series contender. I think that this era of baseball with a much, much bigger postseason, with a lot more teams involved, you know, some sort of mediocrity, you know, finding its way into the postseason, it makes a lot more World Series contenders. You don't have to be the number one seed to be in the World Series, but I think the Yankees are much more than a potential World Series contender. I think the Yankees are a World Series contender. I think that I think that is the job at the at the outset of every offseason. And I think that as you approach spring training, which we are right now, are there things that I think Brian Cashman is still working on? Are there things they're still looking at? Are there players they still want to see compete a little bit from each other before they make decisions? Yeah, but like I said, I think I don't know when that moment is that you can officially judge an offseason. Um, and again, this season, the offseason was judge. But I, I think there's still time before we have to write the book, which I'm sure will be written by you in, in terms <laughs> of how this offseason went. Well, look, uh, I will say, and I think you touched on this earlier, when the Yankees reported a spring training last year, I was there in the tunnel and Gary Sanchez walked by me as the Yankees starting catcher and Gio Urshela walked by as the Yankees starting third baseman and things changed in a hurry. And so uh, I think that there is always time on the clock left to make that happen um, just because the, the team you have reporting to camp in February that changes before opening day it can change before the trade deadline. And so, yeah, I, I'll go with you here. I'll say this team should win the American League East. And um, I, I look at the, the landscape of where they're at. If they don't, I feel like um, they've come up short. And so this team should win the American League East. And how many times have we heard Aaron Boone say it, Aaron Judge say it, anybody connected to the Yankees, their first objective is to win the division. After that, then you're in the tournament. Uh, then you, you advance to the World Series and then you win the World Series. That's Those are the steps you got to go through. And you can't do number two before you do number one. And so... Uh, you can't win a World Series if you don't get to the playoffs, right? And so this team should, as currently com uh, constituted, even if you do begin the season with some kind of platoon of Aaron Hicks and Oswaldo Cabrera in left field, I don't think that's going to make or break you. I think they've got enough around them that uh, they they can figure out a way to win ball games, even with that tandem in left field. And I, I'm not convinced that that will be the tandem, but on paper right now it is. So we'll go off that. And I think that even with that, they should win the division. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound easier than it is. I just think that pivoting and finding a competent left fielder is one of the easier things a front office can do on the fly. Like that, that does not need to be the cornerstone of your offseason. And frankly, it couldn't be the cornerstone of their offseason this year. Realistically, like you said, they had to get Judge, they had to get Rizzo, and they had to get a starting pitcher. And I think that it's hard for me to look at the offseason and not say, check, 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 and then we'll figure out the rest. And I'll go a step further here. Like, I I was just actually writing about this. One the, the the biggest complaint I feel like I usually hear from fans talking about the Yankees front office is you know oh it's too analytical it's too this it's too that whatever you know you were there with me we sat there in front of Brian Cashman and he said this Aaron Judge contract is not an analytical contract this is not a baseball contract this is bigger than that the team is willing mm-hmm. to say that there are times that you know they 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 simply have to do things and and, and the Aaron Judge contract was something that they felt they had to do. Um, which is why I was optimistic the whole time, by the way. I mean, it, it, it just, they had to do it. And I'm sorry, it, it, this, this is not a satisfying answer I'm going to give. Like, you can't have everything. This is, that, and I don't right. mean that from a budgetary perspective. I, I truly don't. If Yankees fans at the end of the season want to complain about money that wasn't spent here or there, fine. I, I'm not going to tell you what to complain about. But, like, literally, I, I simply mean you can't have everything. You can't get everything at the exact same time and have 100 balls in the air and catch them all. It's just not the way the world works. Judge not coming back would have made make or break their offseason. Uh, Rizzo, I, Rizzo also is a nice piece to have. I, I think the Yankees are glad they have him. He's a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, there was no bigger piece to this offseason than Judge. And I think that people are probably underestimating the impact that Carlos Rodon can have. I, I think that was a bigger move than it's gotten credit for. Maybe maybe it's because it got buried uh, You know, the day after the Judge press conference happened and he got named captain and then um, it, it doesn't have the same kind of sizzle factor yet, but I think that uh, Cole and Rodon, one, two in that rotation, you're going to get a ton of strikeouts. Uh, I think if Rodon can be healthy, and that's been an if during his career, not recently, but uh, over the course of his career, uh, that is going to be a huge, huge upgrade uh, to what they had. And so, I, look, I, I actually like the Yankees offseason. Yeah, you're right. You can't have everything. There's not unlimited money especially if you're bumping up against that third luxury tax uh, threshold and it looks like they're not going to go over it and you're right you know if i'm brian cashman i'm happy with the ones that i brought in so back to bigger topics for one second before i let you go you're you're standing out there along the water i think you're in tampa still it looks it, it looks positively spring training like out there uh, but obviously, yes, the biggest news going on in spring in, in Tampa right now certainly was the start of Bruce Springsteen's tour last night. G- <laughs> give give me your scene report, Brian. Brian, what was it like? Great show uh, at the Amelie Arena. Uh, if my voice sounds a little raspy, there's a reason for that because I was screaming all night and singing along with uh, a great set list. Uh, you got got a little Rosalita. Obviously, you got all the standbys. Born to Run, Dancing in the Dark. Uh, got some Badlands in there. Um, man, it was just a it was a good show. I, was a, uh, I haven't seen Bruce live since, I think, 2019. Um, so it's been a while. Yeah, and, and there was probably a period of time where I wasn't sure we were ever going to see Springsteen again with the E Street Band. The man is 73 years old. 73, and he's out there doing three-hour shows. It, it's remarkable, honestly. And the band sounded great. Everything is everything great. I got to bring uh, – Penny went to her first Springsteen show last night. Uh, Stop you know, it. Went with, yes, she did. Um, I'll God. post some photos. I'm so jealous of this girl. You should be. She What a week. She meets Aaron Judge at the Baseball Writers' Dinner and goes to her first Springsteen show at Tam, at, in, in Tampa. So, uh, man, what a, what a week for this 
Hey, who's living better than this six-year-old girl? No, no so, one has uh, been living better than Penny Hope for a long time, man. I think that's been pretty clear. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my wife, Connie, and uh, my father-in-law, Ray, we all were up there in Section 217 uh, screaming our hearts out, and um, it, it was a great show, and uh, the boss is back. And, uh, man, I, here's the thing. Like I said, I need whatever is keeping Springsteen going at 73 because to have that energy, to look as good as he does, man, I, I looked this up. He's 73. He's 10 years older than Terry Francona. Come on. Come on. Can you imagine Terry Francona going up there and doing that? So, I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine I, me going up there doing that. He's 30 years older than me. <laughs> he's doing acrobatics on stage. He's, he's surfing in the crowd. Like, uh, I mean, if you've never been to a Springsteen show, you got to take it in once. I don't know. As he said during the show last night, he's got a lot more yesterdays than tomorrow's. So I, I think that's kind of sobering to think about that. But, um, it was cool. I, I wasn't sure we were ever going to see Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Man again. Uh, I, I figured he was going to be able to continue doing that Broadway show with the acoustic guitar. That He can do that for the rest of his life. But it takes a lot to, to go on a tour like this, a world tour. And uh, I'm glad I've never seen an opening night before either. So um, the tour is coming to a, a town near you. Go get your tickets. Well, Brian Hoke writes baseball during the day and then proves it all night. So keep going, Brian. Wow, Excited. that was good. I, I, you know, what? I'm, I, I dabble in writing myself, Brian. Yeah, and, dabble. Uh, you know, and and literally, I'm out in the street right now. You are so. uh, you are out in the street. So by the river. Um. So yes, Brian, very good. Great. We we could do this all night, man. But thank you so much for stopping by here. Thank you we for can prove uh, it all night. Take take some time to uh, off your. I assume you're editing the book right now, or maybe that's already done, and you're just thinking about your next promotional tour or your next book. Uh, that book, of course, is called Sixty Two. It comes out when, Brian? Uh, July twelfth, same day as the All Star Game. It is in editing right now. And can I throw in a quick plug that uh, I'll be appearing this weekend at the Pinstripe Pride event? Uh, it's at the American Dream in East Rutherford, and. There's like 50 former Yankees going to be there uh, signing autographs. And I certainly uh, am just happy to have a small table where I'll be signing copies of Mission 27 on the Bronx Zoom and meeting anybody. And so uh, pinstripe pride event at uh, American Dream is going to be pretty cool. Brian, always good to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And to the rest of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. You stuck with us all offseason, and now you don't have to anymore because our next episode comes out after pitchers and catchers report it's really exciting to say that in the meantime though certainly we would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast if you're not already rate review us tell your friends that's always hugely important certainly follow all of our stories at yankees.com slash magazine all of our long-form contents there you can also go to yankees.com slash publications where you can buy back issues subscribe all that fun stuff Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine and like us on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. And lastly, certainly write to us at podcast at Yankees.com and let us know what you think. That's all for this offseason, I should say. See you at spring training. Speak to you next time and go Yanks. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much and go Yankees.